This is episode 173 of the Dear Discreet Guide to Trouble at Work podcast. This episode is titled, The Basics of Good Management. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dear Discreet Guide, Trouble at Work, where we talk about work, working, and how to make work better. If it's work-related, we're on it. Who knew talking about work would be this much fun? I'm Jennifer Crittenden, a former CFO and host of the show, and thank you for joining our quest to improve our workplaces. Let's do this. After I stopped working full-time and began kind of slowly backing away from the corporate world, I started writing essays and books and appearing on radio shows and really all kinds of ways that I could get my voice out there in an effort to improve our workplaces. And that was one of the major drivers also behind this podcast. I felt as though it was surprising that we were still seeing so many mistakes being made at the management level in our workplaces when we've really known for so many decades what good management looks like. And of course, my uh, listeners who've been listening to this podcast for a long time know that I'm always harping about that, that the basics of good management have been understood for decades, and I don't understand why they're not more widely practiced. So imagine my surprise when I was going back through the episodes of the podcast and discovered that I myself had never really talked about the basics of good management. I've had this idea in mind for a while that I could put out like the little golden book of management. And I don't know if I even have enough material that would fill even a slim volume because they're actually pretty fundamental and pretty basic. But I did include a chapter on good management in one of my books called What's a Guide to Do, How to Work with Women? And since I had an opportunity there to put down some of my ideas, I took advantage of it. So I thought today we would just go over some of those and see if you have different ideas or if these uh, have already all occurred to you or just what you think in general. So this is a relatively short chapter that I'll go through here now. And although this book was gender-related, the point about this chapter is it does not matter what gender you're supervising. These principles apply to both your female and male subordinates. And I start the chapter off with my tiny little rant there about how frustrating it is to see really people who have not been trained or who don't have the right instincts to be good managers be put in charge of other people because it makes their lives miserable and often causes really a lot more stress, unnecessary stress, than we need to have in our lives. And so I start off this chapter by saying, I'll be brief and use short words. So the opening paragraph is about the value of your employees and the fact that your employees really are your most important and valuable assets. And it is kind of funny to think that we are required by a gap and SEC to include things on our balance sheet that really, you know, they're pretty intangible 
And so it raises a question about why those things have to be included on the balance sheet, but we never make any attempt to include on the balance sheet your employees, and yet key, valuable, experienced, knowledgeable employees really are worth their weight in gold. It's really shocking how many loyal, hardworking, knowledgeable employees are often undervalued by senior leadership. And the irony to me was it was often the senior leadership that comes and goes while these uh, lower level employees stay, keep working, carry the company, really make it what it is. And yet, you know, the, the leadership comes and goes kind of casually, and they just have little appreciation for those really key people who might have such significant positions and really make or break roles, uh, particularly in my experience in biotech, since that was an area that I was familiar with. Some of those key employees really may mean the difference between making it and not making it as a biotech. And then, of course, recognizing that if they were to leave, your company would be in serious, serious trouble. So I want to talk here a little bit about your responsibility as a manager. And I think often we don't emphasize this to new managers, and that can lead to a lot of problems. So just to read a little bit here from the book, when your company gives you supervisory authority over other human beings, it is trusting you not to screw up their lives. And I'm reminded of a conversation that I had with a fellow who went through management training at HP. And he said on the very first day, Uh, They said to the new managers, we are taking a lot of time to train you because our employees are really important and valuable, and we don't want you to screw them up because you haven't been trained well. And, you know, it was pretty eye-opening that they were that forthright with their new managers, that this is a big responsibility that we've handed to you. And in my experience, often people were put in management positions as a kind of perk or a thank you or kind of a you've been here for a long time, so we're going to put some people underneath you. That's a really, really bad idea, and we'll talk about that again in a minute. If you have had someone now who reports to you, you now have a really big job. I mean, your job has just become almost infinitely more complicated and something you should take really seriously because you have to care for those individuals, pay attention to them, provide resources for them, support them, lend them a sympathetic ear, create a nurturing environment. And it's really up to you that they are appropriately paid and compensated in all the different forms of compensation You have to ensure that if they have shortcomings, that they receive training for that. So it's not good enough just to say, oh, so-and-so has this weakness, oh, well, and walk away. That's now your job to fix that. And here's the kernel of truth in that, is that now it's up to you to make them professionally successful. And that can be really hard, right? So you have to make sure they gain skills they advance in their career, and that they're ready for every challenge that they face. And I know a lot of us like to try and kind of sidestep that, but that really is the the kernel, the nugget of what management comes down to. 
And that's why the thing that I always looked for was, does their resume look better after they leave me than it did when they came to me? You know, have I made sure that their resume reflects really important, significant, meaty professional development? Again, here from the book, sounds hard, right? You bet. People management is the most difficult part of your job because nothing is more complicated than people messing around with other people. But it can be the most rewarding if you do it right. And that was my experience. And and really what has motivated me to continue to work in this area is if you can make that kind of difference in someone's life, that really does feel very profoundly important and make make you feel as though you've done a good job. I want to talk here also about the trade. And this is something that was explained to me the first time I became a manager um, by a fellow that I had worked for for a while. He was, I've probably talked about him before. He was a rather intimidating individual, but very forthright. And he kind of laid it on the line. And so I'm going to do the same for you here. You kind of have to make a deal with your subordinates, and that means that you're probably going to have to show some humility because you have to acknowledge when somebody comes to report to you that you know less than they do about their job, their situation, their problems, their frustrations, the things that hold them back, the troubles that they have with other people or departments. And so your job is to listen and learn from them. And in exchange to that, you help them. You provide access to resources. You get them help. You listen to them. You make their lives easier. And that's why they like having you as a boss. Because you know what it's like. We've all had that experience. We're working away. We're doing our jobs Suddenly, we have a new person who comes in and who is going to be our supervisor. Well, heck, you know, they couldn't do our job. They don't understand what our problems are. But if they come to you and say, I get it, you know, I'm not going to try and tell you how to do your job. I couldn't. But what do you need? You know, how can I facilitate your success? How can I care for you and nurture you and make you uh, more successful? That's a reasonable exchange, right? So that this idea of providing resources to them, because you are at a higher level, you have access to things that they don't. So they work towards your team's goals, and you get a lot of good work done, and everybody is more successful as a result. Also want to talk here for a second about coaching your employees and also how you avoid taking advantage of them, because that can happen a lot with uh, valuable employees, is the company ends up kind of taking advantage of them. And you have to keep that from happening. That's your job. So you have to protect your employee from being uh, disadvantaged in some way. So if someone is in your care, you have to protect them if the employee starts to do something that's unfair. And one of the ways you do that is that you coach your employees to advocate for themselves. So you demonstrate what that looks like. You teach them how to make effective arguments. You communicate the basics of negotiation and how to do so in good faith. And of course, we've had a number of podcasts about negotiation. uh, So those are very valuable. 
And you also show them what it means to be a team player. So a lot of this is modeling, but it's also teaching. And you show them what it looks like when everyone is working for the common good, but also not at the detriment of their own self-interest. So it's this balancing act that you have to play where you work on behalf of your employees and also on behalf of your company. And so, you know, if, it, if everything's working right, the company's success should translate into their success as well. So just be careful about where your allegiances lie and don't leave your employees behind. Work on yourself as well, right? Being a good manager is not something that necessarily comes naturally to everyone. There's something that all of us can learn about hiring performance appraisals, communication, uh, developing your employees. There's a whole world of management out there. And so get all the training that you can for all the stuff that you're going to encounter. Difficult conversations, interviewing, conflict management, dealing with poor performers, terminations, And especially you learn to control your own emotions and maybe things that would be pulling you in the wrong direction. So you learn not to undermine, abuse, ridicule, blame, belittle, or yell at your staff. Those are all things that bad managers do. And then you have to practice. You know, I'm always amazed at how much we require of our managers, and yet we offer little training and really often don't have them practice Even really tough things, right, like laying people off, firing people, difficult conversations, all those things that we face in our professional lives. I have a section here in the book about hiring, but a lot of that we covered in another podcast that I'll provide a link to in the show notes. And then here's a very important thing about once you've reached a certain level where you yourself are putting other people in charge of other people. Don't pick people who have poor management skills or poor people skills. Don't just hurl them out there without training and so forth. That's really bad. In fact, I would call it evil to do that, to foist a bad manager onto some poor, unsuspecting employee. I think I've also got a couple things in that hiring section about who people should report to and organizational charts and clear authority. Uh, So I'll leave those for another day. Here's a section on meetings. And meetings, as you know, is another huge topic. We could probably have a whole podcast about meetings. They are really important to do well. And I just see this over and over that people are uh, scheduling meetings for poor reasons, conducting them poorly, and then having poor outcomes from them. No surprise. Uh, So that's an area that we can learn a lot about, about conducting good meetings, especially group meetings, which tend to be mostly a waste of time. Uh, So let's not do that. Let's not draw our hardworking employees into activities that waste their time and demoralize them. Uh, So meetings would be a great thing to learn more about. Then about intervention, you know, conflict is inevitable and it's not all bad. When humans interact with other humans, 
Even intelligent, well-intentioned people can have different opinions, and especially if they're passionate about the work, that can result in conflict. Uh, but you can't ignore it, especially kind of unpleasant conflict, you know, snarky, unspoken, stab you in the back kind of conflict. That's your job as a manager to cope with that. So I would say address it sooner rather than later. You can obviously let people, if there's been a blow up or something, you can uh, let people have a chance to cool off before you talk about it. But I would address it while it's still a small problem, while everybody's ideas about it are still flexible. Uh, so that things don't go pear-shaped and then kind of stay that way, you know, where everybody's entrenched and has a certain perspective. Most managers try and avoid dealing with those incidents, but, you know, unresolved conflict, we've talked about this in a number of the other uh, episodes too, uh, really don't go away and they can fester and cause a lot of problems. So if someone is rude or attacks somebody else by email, or otherwise misbehaves, you can't let that go. You do have to address that. As I say, you can wait a day or two, but it is your job to keep your employees working well together. And I think it's definitely okay to pull people in and say part of your job is getting along with other people. I'm sometimes surprised that managers seem reticent to point that out to their employees, but that's the reality of it. You are on a team, and so as a result, you have to treat your team members with respect, you have to listen, and you have to be cordial to them. You don't always have to agree, but you do have to be polite. You know, we are running a civil organization here, and so people have to be respectful of each other. To raise it up a notch, if you are still having trouble, consider getting mediation. Nothing says that, that that's a bad thing to do. It doesn't label you as a poor manager. In fact, it probably made, labels you as a good one. So draw other people in. You know, there are really experts in this field who know how to build bridges and, and get people to listen to each other and, and understand. So adopting the attitude that help from the outside is benevolent and will work is, uh, is, is a great attitude to have. And again, unresolved conflict is really disruptive and destructive, and it seems to occur in so many workplaces. Uh, so don't be someone who just lets that go on and looks the, in the other direction. Be honest with your employees. That's how you build trust. Uh, you can't tell them everything that you know if you're a senior person, but be upfront about that. You know, go ahead and say, I can't talk about that and explain why, right? How important it is sometimes for information to be kept confidential, at least for a period of time. And the employees will respect you for being honest about that. Don't lie. Don't spin you know, employees are so much smarter than we give them credit for. And if they detect that you are trying to spin them, they hate that. You know, that, that makes them want to smack you. And also, when you hide things from them, recognize that you are kind of messing with their livelihood. And that's really important to them. So don't be cavalier about that, right? Don't be casual about making jokes about how the company is doing. 
I think we have another podcast about humor. And be careful about that. Sometimes managers turn to humor because they're not quite sure how to handle a situation, and that can come off really badly to somebody who's listening really carefully to see whether or not they might be going to lose their job. In my experience, employees, even low-level employees, think a lot about the company, what would make it better. They read. They're thoughtful. They often have great ideas. And so, you know, taking advantage of that, being appreciative of their input and feedback is super important. You know, multiple heads are better than one. Good managers talk to their employees and they listen. And this is a common pitfall of management is that they don't meet frequently enough with their employees and bad managers ignore their staff. We've all seen examples of that where managers just keep their head down, walk around, nobody knows what they're doing, they don't interact with their staff. Time spent together really creates a good partnership that can be a source of great satisfaction for you and for your employees. It's really great, you know, to to build that kind of relationship and kind of have everybody working together. It's fun. It's it's productive. And so it's such a shame when we see bad management kind of tear that possibility all apart. Your subordinates might have really excellent ideas because of what they can see that you cannot. And that, you know, this is the value of diversity, right? That coming from different perspectives gives you really great insight into what's happening, no matter what color or gender it's wrapped up in. I have another few sections here about troublemakers, performance improvement, performance evaluations, and then terminations. Uh, But it's too long to include today. So I'm going to finish up with a quote from Peter Drucker that I think that I think reinforces this idea of treasuring your employees. And Peter Drucker said, accept the fact that we have to treat almost anybody as a volunteer. And I think that's right. Sometimes managers get confused and think that they can treat their employees any old way because the employees are being paid. But the reality is that employee can always leave, right? They have uh, the opportunity always to quit you and your problems and your poor management and your crappy company and go do something else. And there's a huge amount of value in keeping them, not just because you're paying them and they're doing work for you in exchange, but also because of their loyalty and their commitment. So you really do have to treat each employee as though they are a special and unique treasure, and it's up to you to burnish them and bring out the best in them. Good luck. Thanks for listening, everybody. Well, the pandemic isn't really over, but it seems as though we've moved into a different phase where our lives have a bit more normalcy. As a result, we're adjusting the format of the show back to fewer, more lengthy episodes airing on Tuesday and Friday, and sometimes on Sunday, since those Sunday literary episodes have been very popular. Speaking of which, our downloads have exploded during the pandemic, so thank you for your patronage. If you like what we do, you can support the show through our Patreon page. Another way to support us, which doesn't cost anything, is to follow us or like us on Podomatic.com. 
and that will help us increase our visibility. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a comment about who you are, what you like, or if you have a comment about the show. And finally, I also run a professional training company for people who want to advance in their careers with courses on communication skills, executive presence, and accent reduction. You can find out more at discreteguide.com, D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T-G-U-I-D-E. Please take care and let's talk again soon.